At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! You must walk feminine, talk feminine, smile and beguile feminine, utilize your femininity. That's what every girl should know, if she wants to catch a bow. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Okay, first, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Same difference. No. If you wear a dress and you have an animal sidekick, you're a princess. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hey everybody, welcome back to Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises and we're continuing in season two talking about Disney princesses and here we are smack dab in the middle of quote unquote woke Disney town uh, with uh, Frozen 2013's uh, computer generated animated film that features the whitest people you know. Um, uh, here to talk about it, a group of people with slightly, just only slightly more melanin among all of us. Um, but Not the me. one per, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, we could start in order from palest to least pale, but um, I, no. I don't know. No. Um, I, as the resident Latina, the only resident, you know, not Anglo person here. I'm pretty pale myself, so I got nothing to say here. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, you're you're at least less white than Josh Gad. (laughs) (laughs) Way to set the bar there, Andy. (laughs) 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 Oh, if Josh Gad's what I'm shooting for, I'm going to go out in the sun for three minutes and then, all right. (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, But we've... We've got our entire crew back, including Yay. returning champ Melissa Martinez. Woo-hoo! You just heard. Yay. We're so glad you're back, Melissa. Thank you for mm-hmm. thank you for joining us. We really appreciate this. I'm so happy to be back. Like, hopefully, this is consistent again, and I cannot hack um, <laughs> cough <laughs> like do half of this. That's my goal. Uh, me too. Well, we could we should start a like a a fundraiser like every every cough we put a nickel in a jar and then we like one of us gets to use it for a vacation or something so <laughs> give it to you to take your your birthday cruise this year okay <laughs> anywho um uh also we we have we have jb we have kit and we have brooke thank you all for being here um let's talk about 2013's frozen which is just a giant monster of a movie um I'll start where we are also going to end, which was that this movie was so giant when it came out, but it didn't start that way. Um, Frozen's box office, the first few weeks were not that big. It did not do well until people started to realize, oh, wait, this is a princess movie because the Disney marketing department had made this all about Sven and Olaf 
and made it look like it was a funny snowman reindeer movie. So no one had any idea what they were going into. And then it just kicked the ass of everything else out in the box office in November and December. Ended up making over a billion dollars. Became the most successful animated movie of all time uh, to that date. And remains the number two most successful worldwide animated film of all time. Second only to its sequel, Frozen 2. So, so did they think there was a big market for sh- giant snowman reindeer movies? I, I so. Was that the marketing I, team's great idea? Am I the only one who remembered those trailers and, and was just like, that yeah. does not look yeah. good. I got tickets to go see a sneak preview and I skipped because I was like, I don't want to see no damn snowman movie. Like, you know, because I thought that's all it was about. Right? For that's real. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like they were like, oh, the past four movies have done really well because they had quirky side characters. But don't focus your whole marketing campaign on the quirky side characters. Nope. Prue's dad told me this weekend, he's like, oh, I took the kids to see that in the theater. And I was like, you did? He's like, yeah, it looked like it was going to be really funny. And I'm realizing right now that he fell for the giant snowman reindeer marketing. Oh, yeah. Which is why they actually went to the theater to see it. And she and I didn't. Yeah, the first trailer for this movie featured Olaf and Sven fighting over Olaf's carrot nose for like a minute oh. and a half. And that was it. We we, mm-hmm. we never heard Adina Menzel. We didn't hear any music. We well, didn't, didn't see Anna movie. or Elsa. It was it was this yeah. I was like, okay, I have no interest in this. Um, I guess I'll wait for the next Pixar movie. <laughs> um, but um, but our our dear friend uh, Jeff Michael Weiss was like, no, 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 no. This is a classic Disney movie, and the music is done by the people who made Avenue Q and the Book of Mormon. It is so good, you have to go see it. And so I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and after a couple of weeks, I did. And it was like, oh, holy cow. This is something. Um, and then went and took the kids back several times wow. uh, to go see this. Including an incredibly powerful and moving experience where Alamo Drafthouse had a... Well, they this wasn't just at Alamo Drafthouse. They were doing this across the country. They had sing-along... Um, shows where during the songs they'd, they'd have the words on the screen and everyone was supposed to show up and sing along and um, I was in a theater of you know maybe two three hundred parents and mostly little girls although some little boys and man when you get around like a group of eight to 12 year olds singing let it go i don't know about y'all but like i got chills up my spine and i'm like i cannot wait for these people to be adults because this fucking rules um so yeah frozen (laughs) y'all and then after the third time you hear that song you'd rather jump off a building but yes i know i love that song oh only the first 200 times you hear it i don't know 
I, I mean, it's still nine years deep into people singing it, and you're like, all right, until Christopher Walken does it. <laughs> Let's so. Our, but no, our, I mean, I, I still like that song. <laughs> I will admit it. I like the I like the premise of it. I just it was it's like every song that they play four thousand times. You go, Ugh, all right. oh, sure. Well, so, I mean, anything repeat. Oh, so you can make the dad jokes, but you can't hack the movies with the kids. I see. How <laughs> oh no, the only movie I really like taking kids to is Toy Story three. But we've already talked about this. <laughs> yeah. Send I, them to I the incinerator. Like, sorry to talk over you. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I, I I don't know if any of you guys like John Mulaney, but he talked about as you before. should. You know, I talked about a prank he did when he was like what, fourteen years old, where they played "What's New Pussycat" like eight times. The Salt and Pepper Diner, yeah. Salt and Pepper Diner, and so I feel like this song is like that, but it would it was just everywhere. Like it would come on the radio, you change the channel, and it's you know on the next channel you turn to, yeah. and like. So for that first maybe six months after the movie came out, it was a little bit overwhelming. But now going back and it's 2022, I'm like, I can choose to listen to this song because yeah. I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and having Adina seen, obviously, I mean, that's it's one of the best Disney songs because she's so great. She's Wait, so who? She's, she's amazing. Who? It's amazing. Who's, who's singing? Zim. Oh, Adele Dazeem. Star, yes, <laughs> yes, the wickedly talented Adele Bazzi. They you. let her sing in this movie, so that was good. Yes, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and um, one of the things that's really important. Okay, so guess how long they have been trying to make this movie? Guess the decade when Disney first started trying to make a movie about. Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. The 70s? Right after mm-hmm. Snow White. 1952. 1974. Uh, Brooke and Kit are the two closest. Uh, Melissa, I don't know if you if you want to throw in a guess. Um, 1949. I don't know. Yeah, 49. Oh, oh what just no, happened? Not, you oh, won the Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying closest. you're not white. <laughs> no. Well, it wasn't it wasn't 49. It was earlier in the 40s. But you, oh. you were the the one who got the right decade. Okay. And so um, early in the 40s, Disney uh, wanted to make a movie about he wanted to do a movie kind of like Fantasia, but with Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. And they wanted to do the Little Match Girl, the Little Mermaid, uh, the Ice Queen, and the Ugly Duckling. Uh, the only ones of those that eventually went anywhere, obviously, well, obviously the Little Mermaid. Um, but they did end up making a short of the Ugly Duckling. Um, and after, and as World War II came along, um, and Disney started making. Uh, military propaganda. Uh, a lot of their animators were were doing that and doing the war effort, and so it kind of fell off. And his co-producer went and made the live action uh, Hans Christian Andersen musical with Danny Kay. And they're like, okay, well then maybe we don't need to do this anymore because you know there's already this out there. And it kind of sat on the shelf and sat on the shelf and sat on the shelf at Disney and every. Every decade or so, they're like, "Well, what about what about the Ice Queen? Let's let's do that." 
and um, then in the in the two thousands, uh, when John Lasseter came in and took over as head of Disney Animation, he's like, "Yes, this is finally the time to do this," and they set the date that it was going to come out in 2013 and said, we're doing it. We're doing the ice queen. And it spent years, years in development. Hell, they could not crack it. Um, one of the first things where they were able to actually crack it was the song of let it go. Uh, they brought in that, as I mentioned, the team who did book of Mormon and, um, uh, an Avenue Q and they came up with this song and they're like, Oh, that's what the movie is. Okay. I get it. She's not the villain. She's not, um, uh, you know, this, this isn't anymore about, uh, sisters who are rivals. This is about, sisterly love working together. Uh, they bring in a scriptwriter named Jennifer Lee, who had been brought in to uh, rewrite the script for Wreck-It Ralph, and that was done, and so they brought her over to this project. And um, she oh quickly... Good people. Yeah. Uh, she, she took over as the sort of main scriptwriter and creative force behind this. And... Um, after hearing let it go and understanding this is what they needed to do they um they put on what they called a sister summit where they got every single female employee in disney and pixar animation and just they just sat around and talked about what's your relationship like with your sister tell me about your sister and they curated all of these stories and said okay this is what this is what we need to make this story about. Um, then they cast Anna and Elsa or they, that actually, I don't know if I might be mixing up the dates on that, but at about the same time, they also cast Anna and Elsa. They don't have a lot of the music, but Kristen Bell and uh, Adina Menzel uh, try out with no script, with no music uh, by singing The Wind Beneath My Wings. And wow. uh, from that moment on, they're like, okay, that's it. This is <laughs> this is who, who our people are. Um, they brought in uh, Josh Gad because he had, uh, he had originated the role of Elder Cunningham in uh, Book of Mormon and mm -hmm. said, this is the guy who should be our funny snowman character. Oh, originally, by the way, Olaf was an evil snowman uh, and an evil henchman. And one of the things that uh, that Jennifer Lee did was change him into a funny character. And um, and they did that when when Josh Gad came along. Uh, anyway, so uh, let it go. Sister Summit casting. And then they were off to the races and they um, they finished this movie in like record time under a huge amount of pressure. Um, and the results 
I mean, speak for themselves. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, but again, I mean, I think we've said millions of times on this podcast, like it really matters who you put in charge of, uh, you know, the creative process. And when you put the right people in charge, you get very different movies. Frozen is like, I think the the per- first perfect example of exactly what that is. It's interesting that Disney would bring in those specific teams from shows that would not be considered Disney-esque whatsoever and be like, hey, why don't we get Book of Mormon team? That, that'll be right up our audience's alley. But it was obviously right. the right choice. Well, I mean, but they, they knew that they could write things that were funny and humorous and... But yes, even though Avenue Q and yeah. uh, Book of Mormon are very, very R-rated. <laughs> it was yeah, brilliant. It, it was obviously the right call. But. Yeah. They, they won a whole bunch of Tonys because they're really good. Yeah, exactly. At least musically. I don't really yeah. love Book of Mormon in its entirety, but <gasps> musically, so good in some places. I... I I have a soft spot for the Book of Mormon musical. Elder Cunningham specifically. He is my he is my patronus. So Josh <laughs> Josh Gad as uh, Elder Cunningham, I will uh, I've never seen Book of Mormon. Oh. oh. I understand uh, why everybody else here has. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Why, why is that? Because we're white took them to to like see and be their Mormon whisperer, like, okay, so we're going to watch this play, and, and then we're going to ask you questions that are really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe in 1978, God changed his mind about black people. Have damn time. <laughs> anyway. Turn it off. <laughs> like the light switch. Yeah, that's my anthem. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um... Yeah, so it, it is interesting because, yeah, you might not think, oh, yeah, they're going to be the right people. But I don't know. I really feel like when I listen to Let It Go and when I know that you have Adina Menzel behind you, it's hard not to think that they weren't trying to make Defying Gravity. Like their right. version of defying gravity right. for this movie, um, which I always felt like they were, off, but yeah, but it didn't mm-hmm. bother me. It doesn't bother me either. It. Yeah, it's like oh, this Led Zeppelin song kind of sounds like this The Who song. Yeah, and they both rock, so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I will they're... say my experience watching it this time versus when Prue was two, because she watched it with me. And that was fun. It was fun to rewatch it again together. Because at first I was like, will you watch Frozen with me? She's like, no. But then we were stuck in an RV with her dad and her brother. And she was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll watch it if I can be on my phone. And she watched it with me. And I remember when she was little, like, listening to Let It Go. And just wanting so much for her to not fall into the traps that I did growing up. And to really just be herself and I would cry every time that it would 
play and I was this big ball baby. And then watching it this time, I was like, yeah, I still want that for her. But also, there's some really bizarre generational messaging and a lot of other problems with it too. And so, oh yeah, it was it was a different experience this time. Oh, I mean, you. I mean, it's really hard to watch this movie and not be like, um, okay, I understand it was traumatic that they lost their parents, but like that their dad was not doing Elsa any any favors. favors. Neither was their mom. It makes me so sad that like that's the the message that they're giving their kids is conceal don't feel turn it off like yeah. light switch turn yeah. it off yeah and if you just repress those feelings and um you know and and pretend that you're normal then then that's that's what is desired of you that's what you have to do um yeah. I remember having a really great conversation with with my eldest um, after one of the times we went to go see it. And I'm like, you know what I really like about Frozen? I like that there isn't a bad guy. There isn't an antagonist. I'm like, who do you think the, the, the bad guy is? And it's like, well, I guess it's Elsa's feelings. I'm like, yeah, it is. But are feelings bad? And like we got to like have a really good conversation about like feelings aren't good or bad, they just are. And it's it's not about repressing them and concealing them. It's yeah. about like it's about dealing with them in, and channeling them in some sort of a positive way. And so all of the same feelings that Elsa had repressed for all those years when she's out on her own, then suddenly she builds this beautiful castle to herself out of all of those same quote-unquote negative feelings and makes something completely beautiful. And that's and that's great. And that you know, and that at the end it's it's about learning that your your love for your sister for whomever else is is the real um, is the real power and those are those are just like great it was really great and I I'm I'm trying not to pat myself on the back too much here but like I I feel like the conversations that I had with my eldest kid about Elsa and um, and being different and feelings and so on were one of the ways that helped them be comfortable with me as a parent to like be able to come out in a safe way and um, know that I was going to be like a safe person to talk to. Um, so I. I, I, again, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back. I guess what I'm, what I am trying to say is thank you, Disney Corporation, for like giving me that opportunity. Um, because 
I don't I don't think that would have come up otherwise. And um, you know, those are good, important, powerful lessons that I'm glad kids are able to learn. Yeah, it was it was nice to be able to talk through some of that with Prue this time too. Of, you know, because she was watching it and she's like, they shouldn't tell her not to feel her feelings. And she listens to her mom all day long talk to people about going all the way through the emotional tunnel and not being afraid of our feelings and learning what it has to teach us so we don't have to keep relearning it. And and then when it comes back up, learn something. So she's like watching this movie with me this time. And I, I think the same thing, Andy. Like for all of its its problems, it really does open up a conversation that's really interesting. Um Prudence pointed out that Elsa gets mad at Anna for doing exactly what every other Disney princess has done and that the movies have been applauded for of meeting mm-hmm. your man in the first five minutes and then marrying him and living happily ever after. This is the only time where Disney's been like, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> maybe that's not such a good thing. Maybe he's a maybe he's a liar. <laughs> he's just trying to use you for your kingdom. Um, so that was really interesting to to have them kind of flip the dialogue on that. And I don't know if they did it intentionally or not, but I thought it was it was smart. But they finish each other's sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> you have to understand they finish each other's sandwiches. It's true love. It's true love. <laughs> I, I too really like that. I like that they were very much intentionally trying to flip that script. And I did not see um, Hans's betrayal at the end. Uh, that was that was great. And I'm like, oh, oh, he's the bad guy. Okay, cool. I Disney's like being cheeky. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was I was a little bit like okay i'm gonna go through and i'm gonna watch this movie and look for red flags and i honestly like the the main one i'm finding is that he asks her to get married on the first date like that's that's the only red flag i could really see but i also would have been historically very bad at dating and (laughs) have very low dating social skills i'm just lucky that my partner is as awkward as i am so we just are like hey i have this weird thing can i talk to you about it (laughs) yeah no that's yeah absolutely and i mean it is rather charming and i think that's that's one of the ways that the movie pulls off that magic trick because it's really earned at the end when he turns and you're like, Oh, I feel this sense of betrayal because I, you know, Oh yes. It's ill-advised to like rush into a marriage, but like you didn't think he was going to murder her. And then the, <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. No, that good lesson. Good moral lesson. Yes. Don't, don't trust men. They're all, they're all poison. I tell you. Don't Great. don't go all in on the first date. I think that's yeah. really a message. It's like, you know what? You really have to know somebody to trust them enough to be like, yeah, I totally love you and understand what the consequences of this are. And that's a whole other thing about consent we'll talk about later. Yeah. Oh, you mean when they wake you up from slumber with the kids, you shouldn't immediately marry them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> probably not. Madness, I Not say. problematic. 
I mean, gotcha. I mean, do you get the is the bank account in front of you? Like, there's stipulations, right? Touch it, I say. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little disappointed that you all didn't get the same feeling from Demolition Man because <laughs> I had the same feeling when I watched that with my my mother. But I guess we we can't all have. <laughs> Demolition Man, known far and wide for its clear coding and, <laughs> and, 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 and an in-depth look at your feelings. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, M- Melissa, you you didn't go see this at, at at the normal sneak preview. When did you get around to see? Yeah, this? if you if you didn't do the the screening, um, when did you see it? I, I don't think I saw it till I could see it at home. I don't remember how. Maybe streaming. I, I don't remember, but I know I didn't see it in the theater at all um, mm-hmm. because you know I th- it looked hacky to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so you know I just didn't want to do it. Um, and with the sneak previews, you know you have to be like early and stuff to go see those. And right. You know I'm if I'm gonna stand in line and wait, uh, it better be for something good. You know that I actually want to see, and it, this just didn't look like it. Um, but I, I saw it. <sighs> I want to say maybe um, right when it came out on streaming or home video or whatever it came out on. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, six months later, maybe. Yeah. Do, do you remember any of the hype around the movie? Like between between then, like as a as someone who didn't see the movie mm-hmm. where like let it go seemed ever present. The the merchandising wasn't mm-hmm. I, I don't know what were your impressions like in that in that liminal space before you were able to see it i feel like the focus changed and once it changed to be on the girls then all of a sudden things started happening and it became more interesting you know i couldn't have even told you that it was a musical you know that i remember we were setting in line for a different movie that i got sneak preview tickets for and they had that movie poster up for Frozen. And it was like snowman. And then like Elsa and Anna were like buried in the snow with just their faces barely showing on either side of him. Um. I mean, he was, he was the poster, you know what I mean? Um, And then all of a sudden, by the time my nephew started humming, let it go. And I was like, what are you humming? Uh, It changed and, and the focus became the girls which is what it should have been the entire time. And I have to wonder if the reason they, because the snowman feels a little wedged in there a little bit, the the character itself. A little. Um, (laughs) And I think that they put that in there because they didn't think that, that people wanted to see a movie about sisters or about two lead women. It's one thing if the lead is a princess, but your other lead has to be the prince, the stupid, dumb, dim-witted, doesn't deserve her prince. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but the thought that the two main characters are sisters, I think this is too much for Disney, you know, to, to comprehend because it's run by men and they don't want to mm-hmm. see movies about sisters. You know what I mean? So they figure there's no market for it. If it's not a market for them, if it's not made for them, there's no market, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and so I think that's why so much of the initial focus, the movie posters and everything, 
minimized Elsa and Anna and kind of lionized the freaking snowman. Right. And um, there was a big shift in how it was advertised and what we saw and what pe- parts that people were talking about. And they weren't talking about the goddamn snowman, you know? Yeah. Unless to yeah. say how annoying he was. Oh. <laughs> I hated him. Oh, he's I awesome. hated him. This last time I was, I was, I was incredibly entertained by him. I felt, I think that, that Top Gun Maverick has done something to my brain and I'm enjoying things <laughs> that I would otherwise just really hate. But I kind of found some of his jokes, like I was laughing out loud when I didn't expect to be. So w- I'm ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> there was a movie and I can't remember what it was, but they made like a 30 minute Olaf short to go in front of it and people were walking out of the theater because they hated it so much and they're it like, was frozen, frozen too was it frozen too? yes <laughs> i thought i was in the wrong goddamn movie i almost walked out yeah i can't yeah but it was like it was like olaf's um summer adventure or something like that oh, and horrible. like and so and people started showing up 20 minutes late because they heard how terrible the the short was and so disney like r- rushed out new prints that didn't have the olaf short in front of oh, it i wish they, i'd gone to that they really 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 tried to push olaf on everybody and um i mean i i i like olaf i love i love in summer i think that is a really I love funny olaf. i think that is a funny song but but it is some of that like four quadrant bullshit that like oh well we have to give something for the little boys here and i I mean i think frozen proved finally to disney that the secret doesn't have to be satisfying all four quadrants if what you have is so compelling on its own and boys will sit boys will sit through frozen boys like frozen there's not i mean it's it's maybe not four boys but you know there there's a whole world also, isn't for boys yeah and there are things there's important things for boys in that movie too like maybe they should see that like m- maybe girls shouldn't like fall for boys after 15 minutes or whatever you know anyway kit i think you had something to say before i went on my mini rant about patriarchy got there first so i was gonna say what turned excuse me what turned let it go around for me was and this was before tiktok but it was basically a bunch of i want to say like marines in the desert doing a frozen like let it go dance and Hmm. it was beautifully choreographed and just so funny but also like so heartfelt that you knew that like that was something that really brought them joy and i was like those are those are you know very big buff men singing let it go and having a great time um i also would say i loved olaf i probably watched this movie in the first couple weeks it came out because i remember vaguely hating no that was probably frozen too um but I was like, I hated that short. It was so bad. But I don't think that was the... I remember seeing this in the theater. And because 
And I remember laughing out loud at that stupid promo with like Sven and Olaf and being like, okay, I don't know what this movie's about, but at least I, you know, I can't say they've spoiled the whole movie for me because I felt like there were so many movies that had come out in that time frame where it's like, I don't have to see the movie anymore. I just saw the trailer, it has all the good parts. Um, and so I was very hopeful because of that, that they were trying to do something different. Um, I also want to say, because I was looking at what came out that weekend, and because our mother and I would go to the most violent movie possible on Thanksgiving. And so I want to say we watched Thor Dark World because she didn't think that Frozen was going to be very violent. And, you know, like it's not. Well, she's not wrong. But... <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I remember seeing this in the theater. When did I go? <laughs> um, and I. I genuinely thought it was great, and I thought Olaf was great. He is kind of shoehorned in there. I can see that now, but what really, really bothered me is like I didn't dislike Olaf. I just bothered me is like, why does this dude sound so much like Liza Minnelli? I don't understand why they wouldn't just cast Liza Minnelli if they wanted Liza Minnelli. It's not Liza Minnelli. It's Elder Cunningham. <laughs> Give him some respect. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, if oh, he'd I, have busted out Cabaret, though, I would have totally been into this movie. Oh my gosh, like. yes. That would have been great. Uh, I looked it up. The Olaf's Frozen Adventure played in front of Coco was what it was. Uh, and that's oh, it was. Ah, okay. Oh, it was yeah. also, that one was so bad because it had all this, like, freaking... What's the word where you take someone else's culture and then try to turn it into something? Cultural appropriation. Yeah, shit tons of cultural appropriation. I was like, I find this offensive. Like, I need to go on Twitter and tell Disney that they're bad. <laughs> right before Coco. Right before, yeah, it's like you didn't need to gild the lily. Coco is great. Just let people go see Coco. You don't have to put the terrible snowman short in front of it. Make them sit through that bullshit. Coco is so good. Less white. Oh, jeez. I, I think there were good parts of Olaf. I, I think he was. There were some parts where he was just tonally way off. But I, I would agree, kid. I think there were some parts where Olaf was was really good. Um, but there were some parts I remember going, I, I wouldn't have put him in this scene. Well, um, yeah. I mean, this. So. There, there are parts of this movie that go off in weird tonal directions. Yeah. And like all the stuff with the trolls and a lot of the stuff with Olaf with Olaf. I think it's like, I don't know the, the in summer song is just, it, I, I think it's fun because like when, when Jonathan Groff is like, I'm going to tell him, don't, don't you dare. dare. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like, okay, I get it. The, the snowman is not too bright. Um, and and so at the end when he's like she's like no Olaf you can't stay here you'll melt and he's like some people are well worth melting for I'm like oh okay I forgive Fuck you, you. Snowman. yeah I forgive you all of your terribleness previous in this movie uh, because you're sincere even though yeah. you're stupid so <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> that rings true to me 
<laughs> Having note, spent a note to every ex, that rings true to me. Yeah, note to every listener: <laughs> just be sincere, even if you're stupid, and you'll be fine for Andy. <laughs> so, so many marriages summed up in that statement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Anyway. Um, so, what? okay, I have to Sorry. get to, I, I have... this is too much for me right now. Sorry. Okay, I so Andy, I have to get to the bottom of this because <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that only female reindeer have antlers. And I don't, is that true? I need to get to the bottom of this because I don't That remember. is a true statement as far as I know, because we were talking about that as well. Thank you, because in reality, every because I read an article where which reindeers of Santa's were male or female, and the correct answer is they're all female because they have antlers. No, and ma- male reindeer don't have antlers. FDA so Rudolph, says that f- male and female grow antlers. Well, they but do they have them in the winter? Oh, males' antlers can be up to fifty-one. Females' antlers can reach up to twenty inches. Uh, I will. I'm gonna continue to Google. We got it. Yeah, we got to get to the bottom of this. Thank you, Kit, for looking that up too, because I, it was just stuck in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know, poor Sven. Um, what if Sven's not Sven, right? What if maybe Sven, you know, like Max, doesn't want to be like shoehorned into yeah. a certain gender, and Sven's their preferred name. Maybe, or or maybe Sven would just rather not have. A name at all we never really asked sven what sven wanted so maybe I wanted sven more is short for svensa could be i like that oh i found it i found the interesting Ooh, fact okay good good okay so unlike horns antlers fall off and grow back larger each year male reindeer begin to grow their antlers in february okay. female reindeer begin to uh in may so that suggests to me that Santa's reindeer are female because they would, you know, have big antlers by, you know. But because it's summer, I think Sven could have been male or okay. could have been female. Mm. Non-binary Sven. Hey, hmm. I like that. Non-binary uh, icon Sven the reindeer. Yeah. Male like dropped it. their antlers in November. Yep. Yeah. So that's what I remember. So, so in in the story, if if Christmas is indeed December, the reindeer were all female. That's great. Thank yes. you, kid. Because again, that was driving me nuts. I'm like, wow, that's so weird. But thank thank you, FDA.gov. You never thought we'd thank the FDA on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nope, didn't see that coming. Yep. <laughs> Fake news. Anthony Fauci is trying to give us fake reindeer facts. <laughs> Joe Manchin would vote it. against any non-binary reindeer. We all know that. That's right. Aww. Stupid woke Disney. <laughs> this was so satisfying. Thank They're you, Ted, for that. Trying so hard to be woke. They try <laughs> so hard. Even the FDA knows it. Just give in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, anyway. Right. Okay, thank you. That that makes me feel a lot better because I, I couldn't find more detail on that, but yeah. it makes perfect well, sense. Well, you should have gone to the FDA. <laughs> the last place I would have looked for my reindeer facts. Literally Googled, uh, do male antlers or do male reindeer have antlers? Like, it was that hard. Right. Oh, I'm going to type and see what I get. <laughs> I like Google. Yeah. Do, do male antlers. Yes. <laughs> Fake news. 
FPA oh, I got news. the FPA too. That's really happy. Okay. Wow. So Someone... now let me type in do male antlers and see what I get. I'll see if I get the same thing as you. Okay, I get I get um discover wildlife and sciencing.com and they are about antlers. So mine says do male antlers fall off in the winter did you mean fall off in the winter? Male <laughs> deer begin to shed their antlers once breeding season is over and they no longer need to contest with other males. <laughs> And I typed in just male antlers, and I got Wikipedia for antler. So, <laughs> all in all, this rabbit hole has been more disappointing than I thought. I got know. bad grammar. Oh. Oh, you got bad grammar. <laughs> do male antlers, and it says, do antlers female. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Are they using female as a verb? What the fuck? <laughs> wow. That's all we are. That's all we are. Oh, geez. Speaking, Google. speaking oh. of, of using female as a verb, um, let, let's talk <laughs> about the queer coding in this movie because it feels pretty... Um, feels like a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is everybody else's take? And I will, of course... Clear the floor for those who um, who are women, and especially uh, women who identify as queer. She's or, gay. Yeah. That would be She's all of ace. us, right? <laughs> She's ace. She's ace. Uh huh. I okay. So I I appreciate what Melissa <laughs> said because I think when the first time I saw it, shortly after there was like it was like a lot of twitter or whatever that's like finally a lesbian princess and it's like why are you saying she's a lesbian it's like because she wasn't interested in dudes and i was like just thinking thank god it's finally a a movie that's not where like the most interesting thing to happen to a person isn't a relationship and kind of shows that but i feel like when you go into frozen 2 and she continues to like journey into herself she she's not like like eyeing other women soulfully there's not you know a chancellor who's really pretty and hanging out you know in a big row with a hat you know Svetlana but she's not she's not hanging out over there so that's why I feel like Anna is ace but that Um, horse that horse that I mean that (laughs) That horse horse, though but that's that's the thing about being ace is like the people on my asexual message boards are like, do you know how excited I get about bread and cats? And like, people just get really excited about things that are not sex. And so I was like, that horse is fantastic. And I'm sure, you know, you can do it for yourself. And not all ace people are like, are against sex. They just don't need it to Yeah, to and the, and the, and the yeah. ace community to be, to be clear is very varied and, there are demi-ace people and aromantic people and there's a, a wide, wide range and variety of folks in the in the ace community. So I could see yeah. her as being ace. I just sort of saw her as just being queer. As in like if anyone here were worth being interested in, I might have some sort of attraction to them. But I don't. <laughs> like regardless of gender. Um Yes. Mm-hmm. And I saw her just therefore much more interested in herself 
and not willing to just fall for anything just because she was supposed to, but would definitely put her somewhere in the queer zone. Yeah. And what a heavy burden but, to carry. How could you even let somebody in to figure out, you know, like, geez, especially with the parenting. I see her as much smarter than any of the men around, so I wouldn't see her yeah, going exactly. for any of them. Yeah, know. they and certainly not aren't that, very Not that smart has, is the determination of sexuality. It's not what I'm saying. But. Yeah. I feel like Elsa's gift is is the metaphor, though, for her her queerness of whatever it is, though, that it is what what makes her special. And like, it's something that she bonds with her sister over in like a very, a very playful way. And then and then because of a misunderstanding, oh, well, you can't let that out. Yeah. We have to repress it. We have to erase yeah. her memory. And and then she gets locked away. Like she locks herself away and is told like you have to hide this from everyone else. And um so so yeah. Yeah, conceal don't feel. Yeah. Yep. But that whole thing when they were teaching her to hide her powers felt like a metaphor for being in the closet you know yeah very the much whole thing. and that's why i'm like oh she's got to be gay you know because disney does mm -hmm. this they have you know certain creatives who sneak things in there and over the head of the executives who don't get it because i don't think any of this stuff would be in any of these movies and we've talked about a lot of queer coding in these movies right they, because it goes over the executive's head. They don't realize it because they're they're just stuffy old suits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, who go in and often invent Queeby or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so I just, you know, it, it's, it's not a surprise. It should surprise nobody who's paying attention that these things are in there and and they're put there on purpose it's pretty obvious because it's not a coincidence all these things you know what i mean um so that, i guess that's why i thought about it you know that way is that they were trying to say that she's queer um in, in some way you know um mm -hmm. i think they chickened out not to get too far ahead but with frozen 2 by not really pursuing that mm-hmm the way yeah. I would have liked. Uh, there were a lot of disappointing things about that movie, but that was one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I most definitely think she she's some kind of queer. Um, and I wish they would just, you know, let it be known. Yeah. Um, but but there would probably be too much fucking backlash from idiots who think that that's more important than you know protecting children at recess or something you know what i mean from guns right yeah um so yeah that's why i mean I, i'm not gonna like strongly argue one way or the other because i think it is kind of open for interpretation but it was the whole conceal don't feel you know it just it just smacks so much of, of trying to hide in the closet and uh yeah it, yeah that's 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 my take on it absolutely and yeah the i mean the ron DeSantis's and the ted cruises of the world will freak the fuck out if like 
They actually were to make a Frozen 3 and give Elsa a girlfriend. Or have Elsa say, like, no, you know what? I am just not interested in romantic relationships with anyone. I feel I feel completely fine just being by myself. And that's and that's good enough for me. Like I th and I I don't know, we've talked about this sometimes where movies feel the need to like put a button on it and like really be explicit about it like because that's feminism and it's wrong what you're doing or you know uh, making a specific statement like that and it feels a little bungled um and i worry they might do that so i actually actually do like leaving leaving it as ambiguous as they did um i i am sure that like future generations are going to look back on frozen and be like those cowards they were only worried about like their box office they're not willing to have like an open an openly lesbian disney princess when like in the year 2065 they will have had like five different you know different uh queer disney princesses at that point but uh yeah <laughs> I legit feel like we just had deja vu because didn't you just like two podcasts ago talk about what people are going to think of in 2050, like how Disney chickens out about all oh, this yeah. stuff. It's amazing that like, we were talking about the same thing and they make the same decision. I think, Melissa, like you said, because they just, you know, they, they just don't get it. Well, I mean, they're trying to market this movie as being about the fucking snowman. Yeah. And you know that's how far they're unwilling to like really deal with the central issue of this movie yeah and um and the and the queer coding being like a piece of that i so you know disney being disney chasing that dollar yep so um so i'd like to interject sure okay so I think at the time this movie came out, like you were talking about, it opened the door to a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. um, maybe because I was more involved in the disability community, there was a lot of discussion about um, Anna's powers being autism and that she was masking her autism to the world because being out as a neurodivergent is not acceptable and being out of the closet as somebody with depression or anxiety disorder is needy or weak. Um, and so I feel whether she's in the closet because she's gay or queer and, or in the closet because she has mental health issues that her parents are like, you know, and honestly, let's take let's take it. Those mental health issues came from her, her parents' treatment of her powers, mm -hmm. not yeah, not sure. from her powers themselves. Because I was right, like, right. what are her what are her powers supposed to be? I'm like, no, her powers are just her powers. Like, yep. those are those are her talents. When you watch things like The Boys, the those talents can take you a good way or a or a bad way. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's you know what so because everybody does have these things they're really good at and it's really if they're socially acceptable or not that makes them you know a great talent or fucking sorcery um yeah sorry that was really loud 
but I mean, because I, whether, and honestly, the, I'm just going to say more people who are neurodivergent identify in the LGBTQIA, like, movement. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a higher percentage than the neurotypical population. And so, like, I think it's nice to think about Elsa having more than one issue or more than one thing that colors her choices but i think it really the the problem with this movie is that there is so much fear that elsa has had to take on to try to mask who she is what you know because of because of her powers because of how she feels because you know and that's i feel one of the things that makes this movie powerful is that it opens up those conversations because it's like They've also never had a Disney princess with autism or chronic anxiety and depression. So, although, you know, they probably have a shit ton with PTSD, but no one wants to talk about it. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And I feel like there is room for that sort of intersection. Um, And I... Again, I mean, I think it's it's really good to have it be kind of open to interpretation because a lot of a lot of kids are able to imprint their lives onto Elsa and be like, "Oh yeah." And a lot of kids are able to, you know, imprint on Anna too. And and that's also good. And um you know, I I think that there is a power to that movie or to this movie, even um, even though they are being really coy about, you know, what what this is. Um, but it's, you know, anything that is a anything that makes you special that someone tells you you need to hide away from the world that like someone someone told you somewhere along the line that you were a problem that you were bad, that you did something wrong. Um, and even if you are cis hetero neurotypical, you know, that might, that might vibe with you. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, yeah, there, I mean, I, I do think the lens is still like, uh, Disney is being, is trying to have it both ways. And, they're pushing this queer coding and they're happy to like have, have that be out there. Um, but at the same time, like not confirming any of it so that they have like sort of a, like plausible deniability, um, with the Ron DeSantis of the world. And they can just be like, well, I don't know. Those crazy liberals think that, I don't know. It's just a movie about a, about a snow princess. And, um, you know, uh, and, and they are cowards and they want money first and foremost. So they're never going to actually like make the brave move to like actually come out and say it. Um, and I don't, at this point, I don't expect them to, I mean, they've, they've spent a decade now making billion dollar movies with queer coded characters uh, in, in everywhere from from Disney to Pixar to Star Wars to Marvel, and 
not a you know not a single one who is like an an out gay character and i don't know not they're gonna the keep doing that realm but lightyear i mean could be gayer star wars could be gayer but at least yeah. they had out characters it was it's sad that that teeny little second of representation is like hey it's groundbreaking yeah. Yeah, let me let me let me rephrase that. Main characters, but yes, yes. Uh, I mean, yes. Lightyear is a step forward. It's a good step forward, but um, yeah, could could still be more because I don't I don't think they're willing to like really poke poke the eye of people who think that like Elsa is going to turn the kids gay. So I don't know, but. I just remember yeah. everyone being really upset about the shop owner and that possibly being a gay reference with his oh. family in the sauna and missing Elsa altogether. And I was just like, what? what? Did they did they not think that Elsa was queer in any way? But they're mad about a sauna scene? Like, I thought, I thought that was really herring. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <seriously. gasps> it's not herring, it's lutefisk. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember that, that people were upset about the shop owner, but... Oh, they I were in know. Utah. I don't know. These people, these people get upset over everything. I mean, they get... Hello, family. Yeah. Ooh. So I think they were just jealous because that sauna looked comfy. Yeah, especially in all that snow. Guy was seriously. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was cool. Um, cool. Any any other any other queer thoughts on Frozen? I and again, we'll we get to have a part two of this conversation in a couple weeks. So. That'll be nice because I think I've I think I've changed my mind, Andy, and I think the parents are actually the bad, the villains in this. I think you said there aren't villains at the beginning, and I've changed my mind, and I think the parents are the villains. In a way, yeah, they are. Or the protagonistic villain, right? Because mm-hmm. they are the ones who moved the story into what it is, and I think, you know, kid, I really like what you raised because I think. It's, it's an interesting indictment of the difference in how parenting is done now versus, you know, our parents and our parents' generation. Because I think that parenting style, if you make Frozen 20 years from now with, with you know, Brooke, our kids, it's a very different movie. Um, so I, I do. I, th- I think they didn't know they, they were doing that. But as I watched it again, I went, this is a really kind of indictment on the parenting structure and and like you said melissa of what parents are comfortable hiding instead of allowing their children to be who they are because i can't imagine not letting the kids be who they are right because i i i saw that in the generation above us and you know like you said kid it caused all these it causes all these you know mental health and um you know this these issues socioculturally and all this stuff and um I think this movie really is indicting us to do better um, without knowing it. So failing up, as Melissa would say, I think, <laughs> again. Um, anyway, I, that's not necessarily, you know, a, a queer component, but but I didn't really think about it till one, I watched it again. And, and, and as always, when I listen 
to all of you chat about it. It, it really is. Parents should should do better for yeah. their kids. And, and I, I don't think this movie knows that, you know, in the 30 seconds the parents are there before the Kraken gets them, thankfully. Um, it, it is a pretty stunning indictment. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. JB's like, kill those motherfucking parents. Yeah. Why is this Why is this book so long? Let the whale eat them. Come on, hurry up. <laughs> we have to go shipwreck them on an island so that they can be Tarzan's <laughs> shitty parents, too. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> no, that headcanon apparently was, like, confirmed at D23. No kidding. Yeah. Really? Yeah. People have talked about that. Wow. But you want to know something else that'll really bake your noodle? Um Guess who the voice actor is who plays the Queen Mother? Writer and director Jennifer Lee, who also cast her actual daughter as nine-year-old Anna in the You Want to Build a Snowman scene. So she and she has said that she was she was writing about intergenerational conflict uh, and and parenting. and she had that very much on her mind as she was writing this script. Wow. So there is something Good. to that. And then she offs herself, I think, which uh, does that indicate she knows that she was the villain or is it just like, oh, well, it's Disney trope. We have to we have to deep six the parents uh, before we get too far into this movie. Yeah. So. I don't know, but but I think you're right, JB. I think the that there is an argument to be made that if there is a villain here, then um, that um, I mean, but I think you could you could make it even bigger and just call it trauma. Mm. And um, yes, it's trauma caused by the parents being there, but it's also trauma caused by the parents' absence. Yeah, and um, you know. And I think Elsa obviously has taken on the weight of the world and really feels that like everything bad that is happening is her fault. Right. And um, you you don't wonder how much of uh, how much she blames herself for uh, her parents not being there. Well, yeah. I that was my biggest takeaway as I was watching it. I saw things from. Like I said, it was a really different experience. The first time I watched this, I watched it like 300 times. Because my daughter was recovering from her brain surgery. And so we would watch this, and then we'd watch Smurfs 2, and then we'd come back to this, and we'd go back to Smurfs 2. And that's all I did for like two months. And I became really sort of just disengaged from the message of the movie because it was just repetitive so much. And when I watched it this time, the idea of intergenerational trauma... And the way that we carry it forward and the way that we play things through, even when we're trying not to. Um, I felt like the death of the parents wasn't as much a trope this time as a really vital part of the storyline. This is the only way that we're going to break away from this. And yes, they did the damage before they died. They didn't mean to. They, they really didn't know any better. So they went to the wise witch doctor troll who told them this horrible message about how there is great danger in her powers, but also great beauty. And all they took away from it was danger. And all she took away from it was danger. And all the troll really told her was danger when they missed the part about the beauty and learning to know the power as opposed to hide and fear from it. And her parents 
relived what they had been taught and by them dying by them leaving by them no longer being there yes it, it fucked these two girls up the isolation was intense but it also really brought out the archetypes of the parent personality and the child personality and you've got elsa who's whose child personality who's taking on the whole weight of everything and who disappears who shuts everyone out and then doesn't understand why everyone isn't grateful to her for it why they aren't praising her for disappearing because she t made this huge sacrifice when really what Anna needed was the companionship though everything that Elsa hates in Anna is what Elsa created in Anna She's with begging for companionship, begging for communication, begging for some sort of partnership. And when she finds it, she goes fully into it because she's had nothing else to teach her otherwise. Right. And Elsa hates her for that. I think partly because Elsa wanted that with her and partly because she feels like Anna doesn't appreciate this great sacrifice that she's made for her. And how could she be so dumb? And how could she not? And, and you have this one moment where they're both standing up there after the coronation where they look at each other and they connect for just a split second. And they're laughing and they're talking and it's this real moment between them. And then they both go right back to their archetypes and yeah. right back to the problems that have been passed on to them. And thank God Anna pulled that glove off. Thank God that these things happened so that they could finally, like we have these moments in our lives that the catalysts that push us through this trauma to the other side, that they wouldn't have gotten if their parents had still been there. They wouldn't have gotten the opportunity if there had been more guidance. And it's just a shame that it took it so long and this extreme of a measure to break through it. But I think them dying was more than just a Disney trope, but really purposeful. Yeah. Kit? So, thank you, I have my raise my hand. Uh, I, I agree, but I also, like, I keep trying to think of, like, a twisted tale where what would have happened if their parents had come back? Would things have turned out differently for Elsa and Anna? Like, would they have found a coping skill? Would they have come to understand, like, the, the message where because I like I don't think it's that he's shared this horrible message I like watching it I'm like like any power there's beauty and there's danger and learning to control it is very different than suppressing and hiding it and I think like a lot of times and this is especially true in like Disney tropes power in women is seen as very threatening it's very frightening you have maleficent you have evil queens you have you know cinderella's stepmother where any woman with power is obviously crazy and the bad guy um because and they're not you know going to submit and ask mice to do their chores but elsa so elsa is trying to conceal that she's powerful conceal that she is like you know special and i mean how many times has someone been like you're being too loud how many times has someone like oh you're trying too hard like don't stand out don't don't shine and like even and it's like i remember that being very high school but i faced that at work where it's like oh you're trying too hard you need to just kind of you know quiet down and i think that for for anna she was very much looking for that companionship and that love and i agree that like that was a huge sacrifice and i think elsa was hoping someone would recognize that she's doing this for them 
but you know, how often do people with mental illness think that what they're doing is better for everyone around them, but you don't see what's going on because your brain can't tell the reality. <laughs> like, you just, you don't see reality in a real way. You see reality in this very, uh, you know, this very specific lens. Mm -hmm. It's a long tradition. I mean, you know. Disney killing parents. What was Bambi the first one? Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I, Snow, I White, think Snow White. Snow yeah. White. Oh. Yeah. It's been since the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They can't help themselves. Nope. They really can't. They can't parents. get out of their own goddamn way. Half Who the time. needs them? It's not <laughs> a movie unless we fridge somebody's mom. Well, it's it's. I, I was uh, I was listening to um, a actually I was watching a uh, a, a show slash podcast uh, where this guy Brandon Lee Mulligan um, who's at College Humor and Dimension Twenty and a bunch of other stuff and he was talking about Dungeons and Dragons and like why the archetype of the orphan is so easy to use for like a, a tabula rasa character um because then you don't have to worry about any of those things you don't have to create like happy relationships or whatever this person is ready to go on an adventure immediately uh and he brought up luke skywalker and he's like you know as soon as his uncle and aunt were dead he's like yep okay i'm i'm gonna go learn the ways of the force and go fly into the Death Star with Ben Kenobi. Um, it, it's it's a it's it's just a very I mean it it's a trope older than Disney even. It's just part of our uh, sort of like Jungian collective unconscious um, you know thing we 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 fridge parents and we uh, and we and we move these orphans into hero positions um, and Anna and Elsa are, you know, another in a long, long line of that. Um, it, this would have been an an interesting movie if her parents, you know, had had still been around and had, you know, some other influence. But it did feel like they had to move them out so that um, they could be even more isolated and they could experience this like this arrested development that. You know, oh, well, you lost your parents when you were teenagers and you just sort of stopped there. And whatever your parents had been telling you at that time, that's the last thing you remember about your parents. And you keep trying to do that thing. And so, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe her, maybe Elsa's parents eventually would have been not dicks and would have been like, oh, yeah, let's let's talk about how you can use your powers for positivity and, and balance your emotion on, uh, your emotions and, you know, and, and so on. But, um, that's it. We're sending you to Hogwarts. No, go to Xavier school for uh, gifted, uh, gifted kids. Do you so. think if her parents hadn't died, it just would have been labyrinth. <laughs> but really cold. <laughs> <coughs> I, I, I really, I really, um, 
appreciate what you guys have said because it's opened it up for me. For me, I, w I guess I was just looking at it from the viewpoint of my family and how I really, even though I had a lot of, like I had my mom and I had these different things going on, um, it was up to me to figure out what the messages that they were giving me meant and how I was going to be different than them. And so I, I kind of saw it through that lens as I was watching this. So her parents being dead in real life was also sort of metaphorical of you've got this thing that ultimately you can have guidance and you can have help, but you have to become you and, and do it in a way that's going to serve you best. And I feel like each of us kind of has to carry that. I we all have this programming that's coming at us from all these different places with parents without them with friends and etc everything um but what are we going to do with it and who do we find in our lives that we can turn to and that we can grow with and that's kind of what i i saw is it was to me it really became a movie about generational trauma like how do we move through it what are we taking with us yeah and for me, this, this viewing, I mean, I'd had that thought over the last decade or so, but this viewing, that's, that's where it really sat with me um, when I watched it a couple days ago. That's what really resonated. What other, what other things leap out at you that you, we, we got to talk about in Frozen? How true love was the sisters and not some stupid prince. Let's talk about Hell that. to the yeah. So good. So good. Um, Melissa, why why does that work for you so well? We, we've discussed, and I've been very vocal about how stupid the princes are in these princess movies and how they don't deserve the girl even when she herself is stupid. But, like, the thing is that it's always about getting married like that's always the aspiration right mm -hmm. um and even when it's not the aspiration of the princess herself it's the aspiration of people around her mm -hmm. for her you know and this was the first time where it was like okay there's romance yes but it's not the focus it's not the end all you know it's not the end game it's just it's just sort of there because, again, Disney can't help themselves, and I doubt they think anybody will go see a princess movie unless at least one of the girls falls in love or some shit, right? Right. But this is really about how sisterly love is true love, you know? That's a powerful thing, and it, there, it stuck out to me the most out of anything in this, in this movie the first time I saw it. And it's a big reason why I love it, despite the fact Olaf is stupid. <laughs> and, like, you know, there's a bunch of other little things that bother me. But this movie will always be great in my mind just because of that. Just that alone is enough. Completely agree. And I feel like we don't have enough examples of that. Not, not only in kids' movies, but of any movies. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's... Let's have let's have rom coms where you know at the end of the movie the the couple doesn't get together. It's just I don't know about two friends who deepen their friendship or something, and that's and that's totally cool. It's 
as an aside, it's one of the reasons I keep talking about this crazy Indian movie, RRR, because the relationship between these two guys is ridiculous. Even though it is like the broiest thing ever, and and there there are some romantic elements. It it's it's nice to see other types of love and fidelity and friendship celebrated in the same way that we do romantic love. And we just need more of that all over the place, especially in kids' movies. Because I think that, you know, that sets a, a better example for like what what does it mean to be fulfilled it's like does does anna need to have a romantic relationship not necessarily does elsa definitely not so like you can you can have happiness and you can have true love in in other ways that aren't you know what the disney princesses have normally been selling i think that's great Agreed. Here, here. <laughs> Nothing else. Okay. <laughs> oh, I do agree with that. Oh, Kate had her hand up. Sorry, I saw you had your hand up as well, so I was like, "I'm gonna wait. Put mine down. No, go for it." Okay. Go for it. Um. So I, I, I also really like what Melissa said. Really spoke to me, because I remember being in the movie theater, being like, "Did I just see what I saw? Oh my god, they actually did it." They actually made the most interesting thing about her not be the boyfriend. Yay! And also that, like, the act of true love wasn't something that Anna received. It was something that she gave. Yeah! It was the fact that that true love was in her heart and she gave it. And she was brave enough to express it and, like, put herself, you know, be... be you know, saying her sister was someone worth, you know, dying for, melting for. Mm -hmm. Like, that that was huge. And um, I think that's the thing that I, I liked carrying, carrying into Frozen 2. And I'll watch it again. And I'll probably, you know, see all of its problems. But, like, that they got to start building their relationship again after it had been so broken. And both of them had been such isolated kids from each other and from the outside world and I was I remember like watching this this last week and being like this is why homeschooling could be fraught with problems you have to like let kids go out and experience the world and make mistakes and talk to each other and then come home and talk to you and like you know learn things and and talk about what they think I, I, but like I'm just thinking like how do how did Anna turn into such a hopeless romantic? And I realized I'm like, because she's probably surrounded by all these paintings and she's probably got all the same books that we had when I was a kid, like the fairy tales and the myths and legends and the histories and, you know, probably doesn't have the Shakespeare. I don't know if that was out back then, but. Uh, sure. This is supposed to be like 1800s. So they would okay, have had Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. So, and so basically reading all these stories, where the most interesting thing that happened in your life and your life pretty much ended after you fell in love 
And so, like, I felt like maybe, I'm like, maybe because Elsa was all by herself, she didn't read those books. So she wasn't, like, in that expectation that this is what I'm going to grow up to be and this is how I'm going to feel fulfilled. Um, I mean, she just had so much, like, shame about, and, like, I get I think... the feeling Elsa was reading, like, uh, Wittgenstein and Kant and Thoreau <laughs> and, like, you know, like serious, serious stuff because she's like, I'm, I have to be the monarch. I have to like care about all this stuff. And so she's like, bring, bring Kierkegaard in to like do a one on one philosophy session with her or something. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Because but, yeah. I, I was, yeah, because I was just like, how did they get shaped into such different people? And, you know, I'm, everybody has their own internal drives, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is what happens when you're just left alone with a bunch of really old books. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. And, and when she's like, she's like talking to, you know, Joan of Arc and, you know, the other people she sees on her in those paintings. And yeah, um, I liked that she yeah. referenced Joan of Arc. Yeah, it was nice. And I did think mm -hmm. that Anna had, she does have this drive about her, this sort of ignorance to her of like when she's, interacting with Hans and the way that she's kind of commanding him to do things but then also like completely unaware as she's trying to climb this wall she's like I'm fine I'm almost there I'm gonna do it see I didn't even need you and really it it was that she needed him but she's she's just like very happily ignorantly like moving forward with this belief in herself that I found really interesting and the one thing that that I did like about the act of true love is as you watch the movie there are several acts of true love that happen one with Sven uh, not Sven with with Olaf when he says that he will melt for her mm -hmm. is is a true act of true love and then um when uh Kristoff basically tries to sacrifice himself to get her to the place that she's supposed to be. But it, I like that they show sort of at the beginning, the men in Elsa's life who are trying to help her continue to conceal these things. But then at the end, these acts of true love happening around Anna and how none of them are what was needed. It really was the act of true love from Anna herself. Yeah. And I like that they didn't just have it be just just Anna's act, but that it shows the men sacrificing and, and giving true love and how that wasn't what was like they didn't just defer to that and be like, "Oh, okay, well a man did it, so now we're fine." They they showed a man not doing it and they showed men doing it and it was still left up to the love between the sisters. And yeah. I was really grateful that they didn't just not illustrate it coming from him, but that they illustrated it as well and deferred back to the sisters. Yeah, absolutely. That was powerful. And I think that both Anna and Elsa both have this drive about them, this kind of stubbornness that like, mm -hmm. we have to be the ones to fix the thing and it's all on us. And that obviously did get drilled into them by these parents. The fact that they both, have this feeling of responsibility where Anna is like, uh, well, you know, Elsa freaked out because of me. It was my fault. 
I'm going to go and I'm going to talk her down and I will fix this. And no, I don't need help from anybody else. And when, you know, and when she's out there, her act of true love, you know, she is, she is fixing her own shit. She is standing up to her abuser and, you know, and is willing to go between him and Elsa to try and stop him with her very last ounce of strength yeah. and is able to stop him and that that act of true love and yeah and but it's both of them are so internally driven and they both have such huge hearts um but there there's that um that blindness to them that like you can rely on other people and it's great that you want to fix everything yourself, but by opening up your your heart even further and working with other people, you can go you can go even further. And again, again, Frozen too. So, and we'll we'll get there. But yeah, that was great to see, and I really I really like that too. And I I like that both Anna and Elsa are characters that that people can emulate and can learn something from and can learn different things from. And they're like, yeah, Anna is naive and she does kind of get everybody in some trouble, but her heart's in the right place. And that's really great. And that's reassuring in a lot of ways too. Yeah. And she doesn't ever stop to just listen to them. Like, I really like that when he tells her not to go off on the horse alone, she's like, nope, I'm going anyway. See you later. Peace out. <laughs> yep. Here she I go. And don't do this and don't do that. And she's like, no. Well, like, I'm just, like, it doesn't even phase her mind. She's like, oh, that. I'm glad you have an opinion. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. Anything Can we talk else? about a plot hole? Oh, yes. There are many of them. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, actually, first of all, let's talk about erasing minds. Okay? Okay. I, I understand Anna is a little girl, and they think they're protecting her by making her forget that Elsa has magic. But that's shitty. It's just one of the many shitty things the parents did. Yeah, that's yep. fucked. Um, but how the fuck does she remember Olaf? If she, if they took away all her memories of her of Elsa having power, it's it's really minor, and it's a <coughs> stupid give. It's a stupid thing that they did to try and erase or, yeah, get through that plot hole. But he said, "I'll erase the whatever, but we'll keep the fun." And if you actually look in that frame, in the like, they erase the "Do you want to build a snowman?" scene. But there is still, I think, a snowman in in that. And she well, is... If the snowman was fun, it wasn't Olaf. Yeah. Well, um... He sucks. <laughs> I, yes, from a certain point of view. Absolutely. He also blows. But it's mostly with that carrot that goes in and out. Uh-huh. <gasps> it's so tiny and pretty. And anyway. it came in from behind first, so you know. Uh, 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 that's what she said. Studio <laughs> note. 
studio note this movie was framed all incorrectly in the marketing <laughs> just for a moment yeah i remember that too andy it's that weird plot thing where they went you'll still remember all the fun and then there's the creepy picture of olaf you're like i don't want to remember him like that i don't want to remember him at all <laughs> so i'm olaf and i like to give warm hugs so they obviously still remembered that so don't you know. don't know the meaning it sounds of the like word something warm. A pedophile would say. It is, isn't it? Right? It is I creepy. like to give warm hugs. Like, You're that, a that, snowman. There's nothing warm about you. Stop saying that. That was probably a studio note from lots of hug and bear. Uh, <laughs> John Lasseter. Maybe tell the the line from the from the snowman should be that he likes to give warm hugs. Everybody likes warm hugs, right? And everybody like. <laughs> puts their head in their hand like sure john yeah everybody likes vlogs is there anything in queeby about warm hugs can you can you do some research on this no well i mean at this point katzenberg is putting out all sorts of crazy stuff over at at dreamworks they've got how to train your dragon they've got the kung fu panda they're doing they're doing all sorts of things over over at dreamworks um they're in the they're in the post Shrek era where they're actually like putting out some kind of cool stuff and and a lot of shit too, but they are putting out some good stuff. So anyway, um, and and Katzenberg had not yet left to go make Queeby. <laughs> I I will say ever I because Google is our friend today. I typed in warm hugs Queeby, and I guess the first show was that thanks a million where they had the 10 celebrities give away a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Oh. And all of the promos and every write-up about it is basically like, see people exchanging warm hugs and getting emotional. <laughs> so I guess it did carry over. <laughs> That's so bad. They received a cease and desist order from the yes. Disney Corporation. Serious. Warm hugs are now property of the Walt Disney Corporation, and you may <laughs> not use this on Queeby. This oh. is now a Disney Plus show. Anyway. No. Anyway. Sorry to der- derail with warm hugs. Yeah, sorry. Uh, always going to derail with Queeby talk. Um, we haven't talked really uh, much about Hans and Sven. Do we? Do we want to take a moment to talk about them? Or I would not eat a carrot after a reindeer took a bite of it. Neither would I. Gross. That's how you build immune systems, apparently. I think that's Apparently. how you get pink eye. I mean, <laughs> hey, Amy, were you there when you fry off the ground at Disneyland? And it's like, yes. this is how you build your immune system. And I'm like, I'm yes, gonna, I'm going to puke. I don't know why he did that in front of us. I'm pretty sure he wasn't building his immune system when we weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> Davey just like to do stuff to push people's buttons. He did. Yeah. That was great. It was, it was specific. But yeah, I, yeah. I was, yeah. I, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, "That's disgusting." And now I'm like, post COVID, I'm like, "Well, at least you can't. Well, you could get COVID that way. Yeah. <laughs> could you get COVID from a reindeer? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, um, reindeer get, are better can, than humans, so I don't no. want to find out what you could get from a reindeer. Reindeer pox. No, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Only in the spring, I think. Right? I don't think in the winter. <laughs> 
after they, they drop their horns. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I I remember like so you guys were like there's no bad guy. I was like, uh, excuse me, murder's bad, okay? And it's like you have Hans. Hans is the 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 ginger, right? He has no soul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay. So Hans is the ginger that has no soul. Okay. Hang and, on. Hang on. Yeah. There are there yeah. are people who are do not like that term of art I'm sorry. or used for. Okay. Oh. Okay. But yes. I'm sorry. The guys, red haired. Right. The red haired folk. The red haired folk. <laughs> he was the he was the dashing prince who was also a sociopath. Um, and then and what about the tried Duke to commit- of Weaseltown. And yeah, the Duke, Alan Tudyk playing yeah. yet another sociopath. Uh, it's Wesselton. It's Wesselton. Wesselton. Yeah. This is this is not Zootopia where it's Weaseltown. Um, <laughs> best Easter egg ever uh, for me. But Jennifer I, yeah, Lee also co-writer of Zootopia. That was why it was so good. Yep. Death, blood, blood. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I liked that they they got really good singers. I I I really look forward to talking about Kristoff in in Frozen Two because I did feel like um, it's funny what what happened when he's like, oh Anna, if only there was someone who loved you, and I was like, wait. Is Jonathan Groff playing Hans? I thought he was playing Kristoff because all I could see was Jonathan Groff throw, like pouring a slushy on top of Rachel's head in Glee, mm-hmm. and like that shocked, frozen like <gasps> look uh, was very similar to you know what Anna had when she realized that you know Hans did yeah. not love her and was a jerk. Yeah. No, he he plays Kristoff, which is which seems like weird casting, like the get Jonathan Groff to play like the most mild mannered, like nice guy, um, who's just kind of a weirdo because he likes his reindeer, um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, didn't one of the trolls in the forest allude to something unnatural between them. Yes. Is that thing with the reindeer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? I don't know. And it's... It is it is maybe a little creepy, but, I mean, again, going back to, I think, why JB was asking about whether Sven was a female reindeer or not. Um, yeah. We're but, all thinking it. Yeah. It's a little weird. Does it matter? It, it's interspecies. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's male or female. Yeah, uh, I was more interested in, in what time of year the, the antlers would come off. But, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now now that we're thinking about that, it's like, it could, you know, you got, you got holes back there. Yeah. Do well, antlers female? I mean, do they? Do antlers female? Maybe. <laughs> I was trying to the FDA. In. I got so confused again when you person. said that, Melissa. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what Google's like, well, I searched for that. Like, no, I didn't. It's different. <laughs> why you why, grammar that? Why is it telling me that I already searched for this 30 minutes ago? <laughs> Studio, <laughs> note. Yeah. Studio oh, note, do antlers male. Do uh, antlers. Yeah. <laughs> 
Bit, no, so. but I don't. Yeah, Kristoff is kind of. Uh, I I don't know. Like I mean, he does what he needs to do in this movie, but there's not a ton more there for him. So, and that's okay. Yeah, and it is okay. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fine the role. Like, I I Honestly, have. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's. I agree. I thought it was refreshing that he he was just there and. You know, when we get to studio notes, I have a specific thing. But yes, I agree in general. It's nice. He's he's. I just... like the conversations he had with with Sven. They really yeah. entertained me. Those are kind of fun. The where if if that is just the thing with the reindeer where he pretends that he's the reindeer's voice, too, then it's like, OK, weirdo, <laughs> but you're cool, whatever. He also grew up without parents. Like I think that if Anna had had a reindeer, she would have talked to it all the time. (laughs) She'd talk to a snowman. Yeah, uh, true. Nobody else voices over their pets. Like my cats are just disgusting, (laughs) profane little bitches, and my dog is just needy. Um, I mean, nobody else voices over their pets and has conversations. I do. I mean, conversations, but I don't, like, voice their voices. So, I I don't know. I have a cardboard cutout of Andy that I pretend. (laughs) That's good. You put it down in your basement. Yeah. He's in the the claw-footed tub in the basement that I keep locked. Where he belongs. It's okay, Andy. It's okay. Sometimes he puts a wig on him and and (laughs) gets in bed with him and spoons him. I just rub lotion on it. Says Andy, you've got it going on. Put the lotion on the a little inkos. worn out in certain spots from rubbing, but I mean, <laughs> oh, we got it's you. Just his face, but okay. That's <laughs> some Norman Bates shit, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would. I would work cut out face on a on a yardstick, and I just have it in a chair by the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the background, you hear Andy going, I wasn't cut out for this. No! Oh! <laughs> I'm certainly bored. Uh... <laughs> wow. Like COVID's not the only thing JB gave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, how do you think you got monkeypox? I don't know. <laughs> Voodoo, I tell you. How did I get... How did I get pink eye there? <laughs> it's not supposed to be there. Do you pink eye? Stupid no. monkey. Wow. <laughs> we have probably good that there are anyway, so many miles th- between all of us. This story yeah. comes. The reason that's so funny is this story comes from when our our dear friend Roy couldn't was on his mission and couldn't make one of the the his brother's weddings. They put his giant face on a yardstick and they put him in all the pictures um so there's just this roy head like in all of the family photos even though he wasn't there they took the pictures like he was and i've done that on multiple occasions when friends or family haven't been available you just stick their face you go to kinko's and you get the like you measure it out and they will actually blow up a picture for you in the size of a giant head and you stick it on a yardstick and you you, you know, you put it behind somebody in the photo and it looks like they're there. So 
anyway, that's I'm, that's what I did to Andy. And that's why my head looks so large in all those photos. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's, that's the actual why. size of my head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm putting it on JB. Yes. Yeah. Shout out Roy and your big yardstick head. Big giant head. Yep. Okay. Any any final thoughts on Frozen or after we, that? Not for we, me. Okay. <laughs> I want to add one studio note uh, since we're talking about Stockholm Syndrome and Andy and all the things he loves. May thirty first, two thousand thirteen, was the birth of Channing Tatum's first and only child. So shout out two thousand thirteen. Oh, I uh, did not know that. For Everly Elizabeth Maisel Tatum. Oh, uh, yeah. Her middle name is Andy. <laughs> Everly Elizabeth Andrew Maisel Tatum. Yeah. Anyway, right. there you go. That's my that's my first uh, and only studio note is happy birthday in May. Okay. Tanny Tatum Jr. Uh yes. Okay. Let's talk about I mean I alluded to the box office here. This movie made a phenomenal Four hundred point nine million dollars. Wow, it's like Top the, Gun Frozen at the domestic box office. Yeah, if if this came out uh, this year, this would be the number two movie. Inflation adjusted, even though it's only been you know uh, less than a decade, that's four hundred and fifty one million. Internationally, though, this cleaned up even more to the tune of eight hundred and sixty seven additional million dollars so the total gross on this worldwide 1.268 billion dollars um i think this might have been the first disney animated movie to break a billion um looking back at my spreadsheet i believe that is the case i remember listening to them talk on npr about how difficult it was to do the voiceovers of the songs for Adina Mazel in all of the different languages and how they had to audition really so many people to find the right voices to sing her parts. That's not surprising. I mean, yeah, they went all in on, on making sure that it was authentic as it could be. It was a fascinating interview. It's a difficult song too, but I mean, I, I mean, this, this hit me really hard. Um, you remember, going back to the beginning of the war in Ukraine and the little girl down in the bunker uh, in in Ukraine singing uh, Let It Go, which in Russian, the version isn't Let It Go, it's Don't Be Afraid. And um, it's, uh, I mean, really, really powerful. Um, but yeah, this movie kicked so much ass overseas. It did extremely well in America, but it did it did even better. Um, yeah, again, uh, so Top Gun this year so far has made six hundred and eighteen thousand. Doctor Strange has made four hundred and eleven. So this would this would be the number two movie uh, in between the two of them if it came out this year. However, weirdly, this was only the fourth biggest movie in the U.S. um, for 2013. Uh, The number one was Iron Man 3. Number two was Hunger Games Catching Fire. 
three was Despicable Me 2, which had come out in July, and then Frozen uh, comes in fourth. Um, what about Smurfs that... 2? <laughs> I don't think Smurfs 2 um, made it on the 2013 uh, charts. I'm sorry. Um, part, part of the reason of this, though, um, Frozen only made... Uh, just under 300,000 of its total box office in 2013. And so its legs continued into January, February, March of um, to make to make that additional of uh, $400,000. So um, this movie just kept going and going and going and going. Uh, pretty amazing. Studio notes. Who's got some studio notes? Any? Okay, I will go since no one else is jumping in. I mean, the brainwashing thing that <laughs> Melissa brought up was totally like, <laughs> the major studio note because I was that was way out of tonal place for me. But so yeah, that that was my big one. I yeah, I have a. My my broad studio note is the trolls in general need a lot of work. Um, <laughs> like Justin Timberlake would totally help. Oh, <laughs> wrong trolls. My Different bad. trolls. Um, but the but specifically, um, I do not like the Fixer Upper song. I I actually kind of hate that song. Um, because again, they're, they're trying to push Kristoff and Anna together. We don't want that in this movie. We understand what they're saying, but it feels like the message, the first two verses are, it's okay. He's a fixer upper. Anna, your job is fix the boy. And then because I think they're trying to be clever they're like, and Anna, you're not so perfect either. You're kind of a fixer-upper too. He's going to have to fix some of you as well. And I I hate both of those things equally. And neither of those are sentiments I want in this movie at all. Um, instead, deep six that song completely. Get rid of it. Um give Jonathan Groff a like a power ballad type song um, about him being like kind of unsure of himself and how he's he's never believed in love or love at first sight those that's silly and but he kind of likes this girl and he's having trouble dealing with those feelings um they i think they do a good job of giving Kristoff a power ballad in frozen 2 if if they would have done basically the same sort of thing here that's that's my note is you can have them talk about feelings of romantic feelings and that the the wrap up of the song is 
it's okay. I'm just here to help her. And I'm, I don't need to, I don't need to love her. I don't need her to love me. I just, I just want to like support her and help her. And I think that would be great. And, and uh, yeah, so that's my, that's my number one studio note for this. Um, that's, that's what I want to do. And it accomplishes both getting rid of the fixer upper song, which I hate. And it gives Jonathan Groff more than just like the, the humans are better than reindeer song. So, or reindeer are better than humans. So that's my studio note. Oh, and, and more non-white people, please, <laughs> please. You have like 800, you have 800 people coming into Arendelle from all over. Some of them can be from non-white places, please. I don't see what's so hard about that. Anyway. Anybody else? I know I said earlier that I really liked the sort of ignorant stubbornness and like fortitude that Anna goes through the whole movie with but I wish that they had given her a bit more substance and I I like what Kit said about her being left alone with only the books and things and but but in opposition to Elsa who comes out powerful and ready to, to rule a country it seems as though especially if they were afraid of the the sorceress powers within her, that they would have been preparing a good second, right? Having someone on the backside ready to go. And I wish that they had done more character development of Anna. Like, she still could have fallen for the boy and had the easy attachment because of not having connection throughout her whole life and different things without being painted as the dumb broad that just kept blundering things up and making bigger problems along the way I, just, I wish they had taken some of that out so I would replace some of that I like you know the subtle reference to hang in there Joan as she's singing the song and different things but I wish that there had been a bit um, a bit more to her yeah I could see that anybody else I'm still wondering why Olaf wasn't played by Eddie Murphy. Aren't we doing like five movies in a row with Eddie Murphy here? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they could have. Um, I don't think uh, Eddie Murphy could hit that those final notes in In Summer, though. <laughs> I mean, he did have some great LPs back in the '80s. Party so. all the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we just brought up some bad memories. <laughs> yeah. Replace In Summer with Party all the time. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Terrible. I mean, you, you could have. You could have gone stunt casting on here. I like the purity of keeping Josh Gad, who at this point is an unknown except for people sure. who saw him in, in Book of Mormon or uh, 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which was the show he did before. Um, yeah. 
it's really so. interesting. I, I like what you said because it's really interesting to look at the, um, you know, the artist representations of of what because what's the, it's the the Sami tribe. I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. Um, uh, yes, but it, if you look at the artist renditions of of you know culturally what what the reimagining would look like, you know, you're right. It it, it would be a very different film if they had been accurate. Um, so that, that's always, a, a studio note is to get it right. So, yeah, this, this movie uh, again suffers from the, like, we took a two week vacation to Norway and that was obviously enough time to get all, the, all of this right. Right. I mean, we, we really need to bring, uh, our, our friend Galen back on here. Um, who, according to Kit, is expert on many things Scandinavian. So, yeah. Frozen um, Two Studio Note. Bring bring Galen in. Bring Galen I, in. Yeah. It's gonna. Yeah. It's 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 a project. I. Galen said that it, they think they have never even seen Frozen Two, and I was like, so. You're the person who told me the reason that Mads Mikkelsen is so pretty is because he's part Sammy. And you had to explain that to me. You need to come in and tell people that there are indigenous people in, you know, in, in the great white north. And that intrigues them. So hopefully we will. I'm going to, I'm working on it, you guys. Okay. Okay. Go start a change.org. misunderstood petition. the words great white north. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, that was a strange. Yeah, that was a brother bear that had a uh, um, Bob and Doug McKenzie in it yep. as two moose. So uh, wow. yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. Any other studio notes? If not, we can move on to one-liners or quotes. Okay. Do people have favorite one-liners or quotes? I already said mine, which was some people are worth melting for. Aww. Excuse me, sir. He is a prince. It's <laughs> a good one. And eats it, too. Oh. So, it's like a little baby unicorn. It's so cute. <laughs> That's a good one. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs. Those I've are my legs. legs. <laughs> okay, can you pass me my butt? <laughs> okay, that that reminds me of something I forgot to bring up about the animation in this movie. They had to build so many crazy things to make this movie work. Um, Elsa's hair had over 400,000 individual strands. <sighs> the average human head has uh, like 100,000 uh, actual pieces of hair. Wow. Um, so uh, they um, they had to build a whole bunch of stuff just to make snow work. They built Olaf as eight individual pieces that each are independently functioning so that they could do all of that like crazy stuff where his body comes apart and, and comes back together. Um the the most intense portions of this film took them uh, several hours to render every f- 
frame. Um, considering that I think that there are 45 to 50 frames per second in uh, in this movie, um, that's a huge amount of computing power and time. Uh, they like they broke the mold uh, when when they uh, when they made this. But yeah, the like. Anyway, it was. It's just cool that like they had to build cool stuff to be able to make the "I can't feel my legs" joke, um, and but they made it work. So I, I also think it's interesting because it, I think that means that there is as much hair on is it Elsa's head yes. as there was on Sully, where they built that software initially so they could have all of his fur move. Yep. And so, thank you, Monsters Inc., for giving us. Awesome. <laughs> it's even, yeah. It's it's a it's a continuation of that same journey, and they kept you know iterating on it and 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 rebuilding it. And yeah, it's a it's it's a lot. It's it's like from a. I I just I sometimes geek out about animation and like the artistry behind it, and this movie like was a major step forward in the same way that Beauty and the Beast was a major step forward in uh, what they're able to do with animation and just like technologically speaking. So, um, way to go, Disney. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I, I interrupted best one-liners or quotes to like geek out about animation. Any other favorite one-liners or quotes? You so, can't just marry a man you just met. <laughs> that whole slay conversation is great. Yep. I really like the moment when Anna <laughs> has decided that she's going to go on her own and she doesn't need him to take her up the, the mountain. And then she says to Kristoff, to she says, sure, I'll let you tag along. And then Kristoff very subtly just goes, <laughs> like he just makes this really short little laugh like oh my god she's so ignorant she doesn't even realize that like he gets the joke and I thought that that was very clever of them to build that in his little <laughs> when she it's, says okay fine I'll let you join along it's the same thing with the I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him like, yeah yeah exactly that I was about to say like that's one of my favorites because it's like that really shows their worldviews right there it's yep. you know Oh, she believes in the power of dreams and love. And he's like, I'm just going to tell him that that might not be the best plan. Don't you dare. And then Olaf is like, hey, I don't know if it's helpful, but I just found a staircase that goes exactly where we need to go. <laughs> <laughs> just also perfectly timed. Good job. I did like the, how about yellow? No, no, yellow and snow, not yellow, not yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's Crimson, chartreuse, how about yellow? Oh, no, 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 yellow and snow. No, no. Yeah. yeah. It had great comedic timing. It really did. Yeah. Yeah, when, when, this, when the writing was on, it was really on. There was some great stuff. That Kristen Bell, she should, uh, she should do more comedies. She's uh, she's pretty funny. And that Josh Gad. Forking shirt balls. Holy forking shirt balls. We're in the bad place. Oh my God. 
But she really is great. She's awesome. Uh, okay. Best side character? This is tough. Oh, man. Sven. 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 Marshmallow. Kristoff. Marshmallow at the end. Marshmallow at the end when Marshmallow finds the crown. Marshmallow. Hilarious part of the movie. Oh, my gosh. So funny. Really, really very good. Um, I'm going to do... I'm going to go with the Duke of Wesselton um, uh, for his his amazing line readings from sorcery to uh <laughs> you know the whatever he's talking about his his dance moves like a uh, being like a monkey quite, yeah very yeah intense well so, done shout out to texas's own alan tudyk and his Yay. and his crazy run of amazing he's from texas he's from el paso yes. el paso oh. yeah yep wow. And he's in the middle of his amazing run uh, doing voice work on on Disney and Star Wars and other movies right here. And, but he also has a show called Resident Alien on Sci-Fi that is so, so That show is so good. good. Oh, my God. Still on, still good. And, it, and it's coming back, what, in a week or two? The second half of season two? It's at the end of this month. Yeah, I'm, like, so fucking happy i can't even tell you yeah nice. alan tudyk is amazing he's one of those really like well beloved in a very small amount of you know, people but he really should be like a household and he's so fucking talented he's so underrated he's so great and, and his, really his independent uh con man is hilarious oh it's really good con man yeah. is quite good yeah i like that although a little telling um yeah i don't know I, I I'm like is is he just basically saying is the subtext of this show Nathan Fillion is actually an asshole? Because <laughs> maybe that's what this. I don't, I don't think I don't think it's the subtext. I think it's the the text text. <laughs> I know. I mean, when Joss Whedon describes you as the the smarmiest motherfucker in Hollywood, you know. Yeah. It is that's known. not an endorsement. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, no, it is not an endorsement. It is, it is not, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying that, that what happens at Comic-Con is is now, you know, canon or something. Right. All right. Um, best song. Oh, it's hard. Were there any good Ooh. songs in here that got famous? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really obscure. Yeah, nobody really. Sings Let it be. Repeatedly. I'll say it. Let it be. Let it be. Yes, oh. Fam- the famous, the famous Beatles song "Let It Be," uh, definitely used in this movie. <laughs> Let it go. I'm an Let idiot. It go. Let it be. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I know what you meant. Well, I thought you were. I thought you were clowning on it. Like, oh yeah, let it be. You know. No, I'm an idiot. No, I like that. It's, it's just, I would have just really late, y'all. I would have um, definitely listened to that one too. I, I, uh, let it be would have been good, but yeah, let it go, amazing. It's I, I have a hard time deciding between let it go and in summer. You know, well, I can't pick the troll. The can't um, pick the troll song because Andy hates no. it. Well, it's well it's not the troll terrible. song. Yeah, it's a yeah. bad song too, but also because Andy hated it. But. It's true. I, I mean I I messaged y'all on the on the group chat as we were watching this 
the very end of Do You Want to Build a Snowman when she's like, why aren't we friends anymore? And why oh. can't... That breaks my fucking heart mm -hmm. every time and I start crying. Um, holy cow. Um, very effective. So, yeah, I think Let It Go is the better song, but Do You Want to Build a Snowman... Um, is my is my number two with a bullet. Mine same, mine same. And when I first watched this movie, I hated In Summer. It drove me crazy. <laughs> I thought it was so unnecessary and dumb. But this it time, is. it really entertained me. And I, I, it it was because I didn't like the quadrant thing that it was doing, and it really pissed yeah. me off. But this time, it entertained me. But I still let it go because of how much it like reminded me of defying gravity which was the whole reason i left my last marriage but do you want to build a snowman is just so great it was it was fun love in in summer was um i mentioned the like the sing-along uh that that we went to uh in summer was the dad song um and you could really <laughs> you could really tell how uh how into it the dads were and, and uh, yeah, a lot of us were very, very into it. So I would have was, liked a non fifty second version of "Reindeers Are Better Than People," though. That is a that's a good song. They yeah, could have again. Mean, they could have done something with that. Yeah, I would have liked to have voted for Jonathan Groff's full, you know, four minute rendition if they would have let him have it. Yeah, but I mean, the other two choices. There's a lot of great songs, but yeah, yeah. Is this a good movie? Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Despite being very white. So white. So white. So, to, to, to paraphrase Bill Murray in Space Jam, it's not white. They're clear. Like, <laughs> characters are not white. They're clear. Well, no melon. Really white yeah. doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, I think this podcast is pretty good, but it's very white. It is. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, not necessarily uh, mutually exclusive, but definitely, but could be better, could be gayer, could be, uh, could be more diverse. Um, is the main character by which here I will define both Anna and Elsa. So are the main characters good people? Yes. 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 Absolutely. They're the best. They're two of the two of the best Disney princesses ever, I think. They make me want to sing the good person song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh. They're a good person, a really good person. That's another show I miss. That's I miss a great that show, show a lot. Yeah. I miss that show. And should we show this to children? Well, I think we all have. That's <laughs> yeah. what we've yeah. all said. Guilty. Yep. <laughs> so definitely. Uh, in order to indoctrinate them into being gay, maybe? I don't know. According <laughs> liking, to Ted Cruz. Liking yes. their siblings, maybe? Yes. Big plus? Yes. Okay. So, future business. Ooh. Uh, next week, we're going back to Musker and Clements Town uh -oh. for their final movie. Um, we started with them in The Little Mermaid, and we've seen uh, 
a handful of their movies. Now we finally get around to Moana um, and discuss uh, whether two white guys can, you know, pull off making this movie well. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about that because, uh, you know, uh, anytime we get to talk Lin-Manuel Miranda is fun. Uh, so that's good. Um, coming up in a couple weeks, we also are going to have my birthday movie. So everybody Woo! go into the Facebook group and get to voting on your categories. Um, as I believe I've mentioned previously, I started off with a list of 13 films because no one, well, not no one, but few people have uh, voted for their categories. I am going to eliminate five of them Ooh. right here on the podcast right now that we will not be watching. Um, so these are these are your runners up of what what we could have been watching if you just would have voted harder for the right categories. Um, Take Brooke, this, Stiller. Yes, Brooke. The first movie we are eliminating as a present to you. We will not watch Mystery Men with Ben Stiller. Uh, no one is voting for 1999 as a category. Um, so you are very lucky. Brooke, why do you hate this movie so much? I've never seen it. I just hate Ben Stiller. Oh, maybe your opinion of Ben Stiller would change. No, maybe it would. Men. It would not because Ben Stiller is the worst part of this movie. <laughs> Well, he is the worst. is very good, though. She is yes, great. I love her. But she's Ben Stiller is too. Terrible. Now I'm conflicted. She's very good, and William H Macy as the shoveler is very Excellent. good, and um, Hank Azaria as the Blue Raja is very good. Greg Kinnear is in it. Greg Kinnear. Paul Rubens is in it. He plays Spleen. How? See, I hate this. Eddie I fucking Izzard. hate this shit. They put all of this in there. This great stuff, but it's still. You're still peeing in the pool. You still have Ben Stiller in there. Yeah. You got to put your thumb over his face the whole entire movie, and it's just barely likable. I, I mean, now I'm going to watch it. It's, it's, it's not a terrible movie. I think, I think you, might, you might enjoy it. Anyway, uh, the second movie, which I think you are going to be much more sad that we are not going to watch. Uh, because no one wants to watch movies from the 2020s directed by non-Americans. We will not watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, I'm very sorry. Uh, too bad. Y'all could have had an arty film about um, French women who fall in love with each other. Side note, side note, Brooke. Mystery Men made $33 million for a $70 million budget. So it is a stinky turkey which it, <laughs> it, is. it is the stinkiest of turkeys like it deserved. But if that movie, I swear if that movie had been made today, it would, it would gross eight times that much. Uh, and it was also the movie that uh, gave us um, Smash Mouth's all-star All on the, yep. the, on the soundtrack. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, because you do not want to watch movies from the two thousands directed by, a non-American Alfonso Cuaron or political movies. We will not be watching children of men. Oh, great film though. I'm sorry. Please watch it some other time. Yes. 
because you do not want to watch movies from the 2010s directed by a non-American Bong Joon-ho about trains, we will not be watching Snowpiercer. Oh. I'm sorry. So, sorry we do not get uh, Chris Evans's beard this year. Mark, maybe, Mark DeLeon, very happy. <laughs> maybe next year, if y'all vote harder, we can... Are we going to have to watch The Power of One again? No. Oh, God! <laughs> We the power of one is not on here. I was hoping it was the train to Busan, but okay. uh, no. And, and finally, uh, again, because you do not want movies from 1999 or animated movies directed by an American, Brad Bird. We will not be watching The Iron Giant. Y'all are breaking my heart. Oh, I'm so sad. <sighs> so I'm sorry. I, think I fell asleep in that movie. Did anything happen in that movie? It was it was slow. I poked you like five wow. times. I, I think said, so. This movie's really good. Wake up. <laughs> I think you had to be like, that's Shooter McGavin. I was like, where? <laughs> I feel like I don't know who you are right now. Where's wow. Shooter McGavin? Where's Shooter McGavin again? It's Harry Connick Jr. Okay, I'll stay awake. Okay. I, I believe we actually did have that same conversation. I think so. Yep. I there you are, are correct. <laughs> there are still seven movies in contention. Um, five of them are musicals. Four of them are about time travel or interdimensional travel, and a single one has Channing Tatum in it. Nice. Um, so those those are the top three categories right now. If you want, if you want to put your thumb on the scale for any of those, you better go uh, go vote and uh, tell me tell me what what kind of movie you want to see. I, um, I, but. I want to say I. Channing Tatum females. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Does Channing, that's my next. Do Google antlers thing. female? Does Channing, Channing Tatum. Tatum's female? Wait, I want to look up. Channing Tatum female. <laughs> well, I thought you using said, it as a verb. Does <laughs> you said Channing Tatum's emails, and I was like, "Ooh, I gotta look at this." Hillary got them. Does Bruno Mars is gay? <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, so we've still I feel got like this. you I feel like you misrepresented the Iron Giant by not putting Cold War. Oh, you know what? I should have made Cold War as I a I think I actually I think Iron Giant <laughs> I think Iron Giant would probably have won had you put the Cold War because we all know how much you love the Cold War and we yeah. probably all would have voted for the Cold War. And and maybe if I put uh Vin Diesel in there too. Then we all would have voted against Vin Diesel, oh. but we would oh, okay. still have voted for the Cold War. Who likes Superman? Me. Probably Ben Stiller. Really? I like him. He's I mean, the ben, he's the Ben Stiller. I used Stiller to like him. I didn't, once he started doing that, what was that parent movie he did? Pacifier? Yeah, that was out. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. All of yeah. his good movies are where he's animated and not in it. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Uh, kind of true. Yeah. I am group. Guardians the- of the Galaxy, Iron Giant. But if I'm going for like a real action movie, I'll watch Vin Diesel. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of got weird. Yeah. I, I do. Know. I do love pitch. I think Pitch Black is criminally underrated. Yeah. So Brooke bringing to the podcast next time, either Triple X or <laughs> the oh, God. Furious movies, and JB bringing Pitch Black, Pitch Black, the Riddick movies. That week, I'm just. Yeah, you're already. I do that to I you. Really I wouldn't. How did that. how did Last Witch Hunter not make it? Wow, what a. 
what a movie that was. Wow. Yeah, talk about a failed franchise. Um, wow. What a train wreck. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so but, go go to the Facebook uh, group, vote, um, and put your thumb on the scale for what we want to watch. There is definitely a movie that I am leaning towards um, that we have mentioned before, um, but... Uh, and and I'm gonna be clear here. I am okay. Tell me, y'all can walk me off of this. I am counting everything everywhere all at once as a musical because they unironically quote they unironically quote from the lyrics of a song in the movie, and <laughs> I don't. I I just have to give them props for for that even though they don't technically sing it um to to hear anyone actually uh yeah do that um that that works for me in that movie so i'm i'm giving it an extra point as a musical um because i want to <laughs> all right good yeah so there we go we support you i'm also counting rrr as a musical even though there's only in three hours of running time, there's only two songs. Please, everyone, but, try to vote for RRR because Andy keeps sending us clips, and now I want to watch it more and more every time he sends us clips. I still don't want to watch it. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. <laughs> RRR, really, really ridiculous. Is Melissa is so be. great. <laughs> for you guys, I don't even want any part of it. I love it. It's so just, great. That's the only problem is I feel like if... Uh, like to make Melissa watch uh, that movie that I, I think there's a 50, 50 chance that she will like it or she will hate it. I, and I just, I, I don't can't know. wait to take those odds, Andy, just to hear. I what don't, <laughs> don't want to disappoint her. It's such an artful way though. It really is. It's like, it starts with the name she puts when we get onto the podcast. It's like, Ooh, we knew she didn't like this. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Today's name, know. Melissa. I'm not even going to give you effort. I don't. <laughs> you know what else is white? This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but see, we could talk oh. about an we could talk about a Bollywood Indian movie that is ridiculous, and then yeah. Anyway, okay, that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about Moana. And hopefully we'll be a little bit less white then, too. Uh, thanks, everybody. See you then. Let it go. Let it be. Let it be. <laughs> Wait, Let it be. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it. That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.